Merry Christmas and welcome to a very special episode of Watching Friends. I'm Mark. I'm Ryan. And, and we should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, to explain that, we are going to talk a little bit about Matthew Perry's book. Uh, we've been threatening this for a few episodes now. I've finished the whole book. Ryan is listening to the audio version. I'm uh, struggling has... to do things with my eyes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, so you, you haven't got all the way through it yet because it's, what, 20 hours of listening? I massively agree. It's like nine. Okay. But it's... That's still a long period of time to listen to something. It's like nine of our episodes. Yeah, my commute is about mm, 35, 40 minutes on average yeah. a day. So... You don't get that much in, especially when I'm like pausing to make notes and timestamps and things. Yeah. It's, it, it takes up most of my commute, to be fair. But as I believe a lot of people have either A, got the book now, or B, are going to be getting it as a Christmas present. I wanted us to have a little bonus episode here for you all for Christmas, uh, where we discuss a little bit about the book. And the idea is that we're going to do a longer deep dive or multiple deep dives, because it's quite a, quite a lot to go into in the future. This is going to be a shorter version with the full version on patreon.com forward slash watching friends. So they're going to get some extra topics that we talk about. Yeah. But you are going to get on the free feed, uh, you know, quite a few bits that we're going to discuss from the opening of the book. So if you haven't read the book, don't want to be spoiled, uh, come back to this podcast later on. But if you don't mind us discussing some things that Matthew Perry talks about, um, then carry on listening. And I hope you enjoy this special Christmas Day episode. Yeah. So, the book. Yes. What, is, what are your general thoughts on it, Ryan, just, just from the start? Well, you can probably guess from the whole we should be dead thing is the very morose opening to the book. Yes. Um, obviously, we all consider Matthew Perry like a comedian and someone who likes making people laugh. And it's something he said in multiple places, not just the book, that, that making people laugh kind of gave him a feeling of self-worth. This is not how the book starts. The book starts in such a morose tone and it essentially goes into when he nearly died and his colon exploded and it's just like, oh my God, this is not what I expected from Matthew Perry's book. No, normally a biography of this would be about their life as a as a child and just works through the, the years until it gets to the famous part of them and they spend the majority of the time giving anecdotes and fun backstories and stuff like that. This book chops and changes. So it starts off with him basically in a hospital dying from a colon that's about to explode. Yep. And then it goes back to his childhood mm-hmm. and, you know, talks a bit about that. And all throughout the book is feelings of loneliness and him, I guess, trying to understand why he's lonely and feels rejected all the time. And it chops back and forth between, you know, his different drug habits, uh, being in hospital multiple times, and how this all relates back to, I guess, his childhood generally, mm. but also how it relates to friends. And then we, we do get a bit of friend stuff, but generally it doesn't talk about the TV show all that much. No, I, from what I've heard so far, I would, I would almost say that the publishers, more than Matthew Perry, very lean on the fact that he's in Friends and that we're all Friends fans yeah. and Friends. Look, no one in I mean, there aren't many people buying this book because they love the whole nine yards or <laughs> no. are a fan of Matthew Perry outside of friends like that's the main draw and it's not a criticism of him as an actor it's just that's what he's known for so I think they're very much seeing like the guy from friends the funny man the chan chan man and yeah. you look, that's how he's kind of marketed and then so you're expecting okay this is I'm, I'm gonna get Chandler Bing in real life 
And what you get is what is essentially a survival guide for the troubled, lonely, and addicted. Um, yeah, because I guess most people know him from Friends, as you say, mm-hmm. but don't know what he's done after that. And, you know, he's been in various TV shows like uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip and various films and bit parts. Like he was in uh, 17 again. Yep. And stuff Quite like that. Quite that, to be fair. Um, it's a good film. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's in it for a few minutes at best. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's really not a part in it, but it's a good film. Uh, but a lot of his life has been spent um, in like a, I wouldn't say AA, but like in sponsorships. Mm-hmm. For uh, other people dealing with like drug abuse and addiction and stuff like that, and you know he created like a foundation where he opened up homes for like other people to stay in nice. to try and get over their addictions and stuff like that. And he's been doing that for years, and he's you know he's an advocate in the states for um, you know helping people with drug addictions rather than being like you go to jail now. Yeah, it's very much no. Let's look at how we can help them because you know what they're doing is not wrong or damaging to anyone but themselves and they need the help and support. And I'm the number one person who knows this because I need that help and support. I just had multiple millions to, yeah, to, to, be, to yeah. be able to do it. Like he, he talks about one point further on in the book where, you know, he spent hundreds of thousands of pounds getting a private jet, uh, to take him back and forth, like to rehabs. It's like, I was like, you, you spent that much on like one journey that's something that takes me years to to make. Yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of a bit weird. So the the start of the book starts with like a, a forward from uh, Lisa Kudrow, which is an interesting choice. That is not on the audiobook. Is it not? It is okay. Not. So it starts with Lisa Kudrow and she basically, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a couple of paragraphs of like, you know, Matthew asked me to do this. He's a great guy, blah, blah. You know, it's typical, typical forwards. Um, I'm surprised you picked Lisa Kudrow because they've they've never come across as the type who are great friends. They certainly, when they were on the TV show Friends, not the the people who acted closely together. Nope. So, and Lisa, like, she's a a great actor and she's done some amazing stuff and is apparently a a very kind person as well. I would have thought she would have picked, he would have picked uh, Matt LeBlanc or maybe David Swimmer, perhaps. Yeah, I'd assume it would have been Matt LeBlanc, but... Mm. I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously I haven't finished the, the book, so I don't know if he goes into too much detail about their friendship or the friendship with the rest of the cast. I know he, he said... He doesn't really, no. I know he said before that at times he felt like the cast were never there for him. But then at the same time, he's also said, when I felt those things and said those things, I was in the middle of an addiction hole, so it's not really an accurate representation of what happened. It's just how I felt. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough one, but... Well, I think, you know, we will get into this in depth in a in a, another episode when we go through the whole book, I guess, which is, in my mind, going to be multiple episodes. Yeah, I mean, given given that I'm just over an hour in, the amount of notes I've got to clip things out of will be here all week. <laughs> yeah, so, but we're going to start with the beginning of what you've covered. Um, I know some of our fans have brought up uh, some of the comments that Matthew Perry makes in the book, and I couldn't tell whether they were jokes or not. Uh, like he he says things you know we've and we've mentioned this on previous episodes where he's talking about Keanu Reeves and like why is he still among us when other famous actors are dead yeah um, and the way he talks about like some of his ex girlfriends and women in general you're like is it a, a a very you know dry humor joke or is he being serious so that'll be interesting to find out from your point of view because obviously he reads the book yep 
which is interesting. Already, from what I've listened to, it's actually still kind of difficult to tell in some instances. Because I was wondering how he actually sounds, because when we saw him at the reunion, he talks about, oh, he went to the, or it was said he went to the dentist and had like, you know, surgery and whatever. I have to, after reading the book, wonder if he did actually go to the dentist or if this is something else. Uh, He sounds like himself now, if that makes sense. He doesn't sound like Chandler. Um, And a lot of the subject matter is very much dry and upsetting and droll. So it's it's not delivered with any kind of like zest or pep in like a Chandler bingy way um, for the most part. But there are a couple of lines where I'm like, okay, if that was... I guess it's the difference where when he's reading his own words, it can be difficult to inflect humour into them unless you, I guess, perform your own words. Yes. So there's there's a part where he's basically on the mend uh, in hospital and he's like, oh, he's coming around. He's like, I knew I was feeling better because the doctor was hot or some something yeah. to that effect. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and when he says that initially, I was like, oh, dude, creepy. Like, it doesn't... It just comes across weird. Yeah. But then there are other times he mentions women and it doesn't sound creepy or weird. Um, so it is kind of hard to tell. I'm assuming he was joking because I that to me, that would be the, a jokey thing to say. Like, yeah. oh, I, I would tell I was feeling better because she was sexy and I was horny or whatever. Like, you'd be yeah, like, okay, yeah. it's cringe, but it's clearly meant to be a joke. Yeah. Whereas his delivery doesn't necessarily make it sound like a joke. Okay, that's interesting. Because yeah. at the start, as you say, you know, there's more roast opening. Uh, and you put in the notes here, like, so much for being a, a guy who likes to make people laugh. Because, yeah, the, the start of it isn't funny at all. No. It is quite serious about how he's basically dying at the time. Um, you know, because he, he is in a safe house uh, with doctors and nurses. Yep. And they, like a lot of drug addicts, he's like, I'm in pain. And they say that to get the drugs. Mm-hmm. And the doctors and nurses are like, well, no, you're lying to us. We know what you like. Turns out, you know, he was like constipated for like 10 days. Ugh. And was basically, you know, his colon was about to burst. Um, sounds horrible. Like, yeah. This, this is one thing that's weird is that it sounds horrible. And he goes out of his way to make it sound horrible. Yes. To a, a worrying degree. Yes, um, because you you don't hear any of this. You're just like, oh, he's out in the Beverly Hills uh, enjoying his life, isn't he? But reading the story, you're like thinking of like what? So like four months ago, he was like dead, nearly in a hospital. Yeah, just I mean, there's a there's a analogy he uses about the screaming and the sounds he was making, and he says that it sounds like coyotes ripping something apart, and the silence afterwards isn't reassuring because now you just know whatever they're attacking is dead. Yeah. And his tone of voice is very much like, and now it is dead. And he's like, oh my God, like this isn't what I expected from this book. Um, but it's very, very, very violent and vivid descriptions and imagery he uses. Yeah. Reminded me of uh, Watchmen, like Rorschach, like dead, dark in street. Like that's the kind of, you, it's almost like a Rorschachian vibe you get from the way he reads it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, why is this so graphic? And he goes back to that, Coyote's ripping something apart analogy a lot. Yes. Um, and I don't know if it comes across the same way when you read it. I think so. Um, but when you listen to it, because you're listening to it at his pace, I read really quickly. Um, I'm confident I could read this book in a third of the time it will take me to listen to it. Um, but at the same time, it, when you're hearing him say it, you're like, oh my God, shut up. Like, you're Chandler. <laughs> like, I, I don't need to hear you talk about dogs being ripped apart to this degree. He, he goes into graphic detail about a lot of things, and I think that's perfect of showing how serious it all is 
Fair. Because he, you know, he's been on Newsnight and he's talked about the effects of like the drugs and everything. And I think he does want to show like, you know, this isn't like most celebrities where I've got a cocaine habit or something. You know, this is all fun and games, whether this is what celebs do. It's, he talks about, you know, the pain and the loneliness and the wanting to die at times, but also not wanting to die. Yeah. Uh, constantly throughout the book. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to think, you know, in between shows, he was feeling and acting like this. It's it's quite sad and depressing in a lot of ways. Yeah, not not like Guinea mentions that he's in this kind of rehab wellness centre, whatever they call him nowadays, yeah. uh, with his friend Erin. Yeah. Uh, who is a lesbian and they've been friends for a while and she's kind of, you know, had addictions and troubles to deal with. So it's good because she understands and knows the difference between... Because he, he talks about having uh, a sober friend, basically, who's always there with you to stop you, you know, getting to, into a dark place or being depressed and be like, I'll just try one. I'll just have one beer. Yeah. I'll have one pill, whatever. And he he makes reference to the fact that it's it's kind of a good thing that she's gay because it's the one woman in his life really who who he doesn't kind of need to I guess validate himself off of. It's not like oh I need to prove yeah. who I am by sleeping with this woman because that's not an option because she's gay. Um, but he basically says that she saves his life yeah. because she could tell that he wasn't just crying out for drugs and he wasn't playing wolf. He was genuinely or crying wolf rather. He was definitely in pain and something was going on. Um, but it made me qu- quite sad i guess that in from the very little i've seen of what you describe he talks about women that this one woman is in his life positively because he can't ruin it with any kind of kind of sexual desire yeah well he he gets into this especially at the end of the book um about how he's always had abandonment issues and it started from a young age where his parents broke up mm-hmm. and he grew up in canada and his mum stayed there and his dad went down to uh, L.A. And they would put him on a plane and he'd have a little sign around his neck saying, you know, an accompanied uh, minor sort of thing. And, you know, it make, makes you think of, you know, trying to be like, I need an adult sort of thing. Yeah. And he, he references like this a lot of how he's basically Chandler and the, the part was basically written for him without them knowing what his life had been like. Yeah. And yeah, he talks about women in the terms of like his mum in a lot of ways. And again, like the more you listen to this, the more you see things written in the show that are very relatable. Like, you know, his, his mum in the show is, you know, they, the parents broke up and his mum kind of abandons him and, mm-hmm. and sorts of things, right? And you have to wonder, did the writers write this or did he tell them sort of stuff? Like, there's a lot of stuff that is very relatable for him. And certainly when it comes to women, it's it's like, you know, his mum left him for another man, you know, which would be his stepdad. Yep. And these women are going to leave him for other men. And he's in constant fear that at any time, like the mask is going to fall off and they're going to notice who he really is. And they're going to, you know, just leave him one day. And he's always fearful. Mm. And it causes a lot of issue with relationships for him because he basically screws it up because he's always fearful and always like wondering when they're going to leave and if they don't leave i better get rid of them so they don't end up hurting me when they leave yeah sort of thing so him having a friend like this is good but also he doesn't talk about having friends a lot certainly the the gang you know he doesn't mention them as friends which is why having lisa could to me is a weird person to have as your forward when it doesn't seem like they talk or hang out all that much or interact 
I always find, I guess, like TV shows and movies and kind of celebrities' friendships weird because we expect that because the six of them spent so much time together over 10 years working together that they would be the best of friends and constantly in each other's lives. And, you know, a day goes by where, you know, Ross doesn't call Phoebes and Phoebes mm. doesn't call. And you assume that dynamic because that's what we're used to seeing. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to realistically look at it and go, acting is their job. These characters were a role, not them as people. That it was all a job. And how many of your colleagues from a job you no longer work at do you still speak to? Yeah, exactly. And for the most part, but well, I guess a couple, like not many. No, it's it's interesting for celebrities, I guess, because uh, celebrities all hang around doing their own celebrity circle, mm-hmm. and that's how they get to know each other. And that's why you think, oh, they must hang around together at parties, or just like they're not going to hang around with John on the street. They're going to hang out with our celebs who. One, have the wealth, and two, have the kind of look where they can only hang out together. Like, you know, they can't just go down the street. We've all seen pictures of Matthew Perry where it's like, Matthew Perry is fat and disgusting. Look, he hasn't even washed today because he's like, just gone out on the street without dressing himself up. Like, we've all done. Just we don't have people taking pictures of us. True. So, it's kind of interesting. Uh, And during this whole moment at the start, uh, you put in the notes about how, you know, he goes to hospital yep. and uh, Erin calls ahead saying, you know, VIP coming through, which makes you think of theme hospital. <laughs> and being told, there's a celebrity on the way, stop everything and do that. Uh, yeah, it must be nice to be able to call ahead and say, you know, Matthew Perry's coming in. I mean, only in LA would that be a thing, like where you could, you know, have a, like a side entrance for like VIPs. Yeah. And be like, oh, yes, let's sneak them in. So the world doesn't need to know that, you know, and I imagine a lot of times it's probably drug related. Yes. Things like, oh, he OD'd again. Well, yeah, because it's amazing, like, how many times he's been in trouble, and we haven't heard about this in the news. Yeah. It's all been kept quiet somehow. They, I imagine there'll be specific hospitals that have, a, like, a policy for how to deal with Well, hosp- kind of all hospitals can't talk about celebrities. Oh, but, I mean, you'd assume stuff would leak. Like, yeah. you know, if a celebrity turned up at my hospital and had been injecting heroin into their eyeballs... I'd probably tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as we know from the episode we just recorded, you can't keep a secret. Yeah, but like, you'll never guess what happened. Like, Shirley Bassey was here, high on smack. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, he does talk about how the hospitals are scared for him being there because they're like, we don't want Matthew Perry to die in our hospital. Yeah, imagine, like, you're, I mean, you're supposed to be trusting these people, especially in America, given that you're paying a lot of money for this care. And there are hospitals that actively refuse to, to accept him because they don't want to be the hospital where Matthew Perry died. Yeah. Which is just a horrible thought. Like, how callous and... Yeah. No. Would you, would you, if he was in trouble, be like, no, no, don't take me to that hospital. Matthew Perry died there. Like, he probably wouldn't even think about it. People die all the time in hospitals for different reasons. To be fair, I got blackout drunk at a Christmas party once um, and collapsed. I wasn't collapsed, I fell over. I was still conscious, but I was drunk. So my eyes weren't open. And I was like, oh, drunk. And then I happened to do it at, next to an NHS Christmas party. And I had, like, three nurses all around me, like, trying to, he's not responsive. And I'm like, ah. And they went, we're taking, oh, we're going to Heartlands. And I jokingly went, not Heartlands, they'll finish me off. And they all started shouting at me, calling me cheeky because that's where they worked. Um, so hospitals have reputations. They do. My friends, and I was, like, you know, drug off my butt at that point. Um, so I think you might be like, oh, you know. But yeah, I don't think you'd be like, oh my God, Matthew Perry died here. I don't want to go there. No. You'd, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's sad. Like, yeah. It's a weird thing to think It's, it's, not, it's not, not like Disney World where they're like, no one has died here because we cart them off yeah. <laughs> and they die outside the gates. It's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Um, there's, a, there's a really, really kind of hard-hitting line uh, in the book around that part. Oh, it? I wrote it down because I was like, exactly, because it really, like, 
Because when you read a book sometimes, you'll be like, oh, and like, the, the, the sentence hits you. Yeah. But hearing him talk and say these sentences, it makes it a lot more impactful in parts. Um, and there's a part where he says, it's very odd to live in a world where if you died, it would shock people, but surprise no one. And I was sat on the bus and I literally kind of looked up and was like, whoa. Because <laughs> that was like such a heavy statement yeah. where like, obviously, yeah, oh my God, Matthew Perry said that would, that's a shock, but everyone would go, yeah, well, you know, given his drug habit or his alcohol or this, like it's just weird to to hear someone reflect on their own kind of mortality that way. Yes, he he does bring out some tropey lines at times, but they they are kind of hard hitting as well. Yeah, uh, to think you know he is a huge celebrity even now. Like he's on the cover of all sorts of things, and you go through his IMDb, and okay, like after Friends, he didn't really do too much that was big. Yeah, certainly in the UK, there's lots of American shows that he did that had a, a season or whatever that you've never heard of um but you know even the reu- like think of the reunion like that came on and it's been 20 years yeah since like friends ended basically i mean especially given the context of when he was going through a lot of this stuff he yeah. was a much bigger star when this was happening than he is now yep. um but again like you said look at the reunion like the reunion was the most hyped thing the most hyped television event in the last decade yep like, i don't know anyone that didn't talk about it. Even yeah. people that didn't watch Friends couldn't wait to tell you that they weren't going to watch the reunion because <laughs> yeah. they didn't watch Friends. Like everyone was talking about it. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting to see this, and we're discussing this during season three because this is where he basically gets on the the drugs. Mm-hmm. So he's on the on the painkillers, which a lot of celebrities have. Like Michael Jackson had this as well. So Michael Jackson, uh, he did a Pepsi commercial. And something happened on the set which caused his hair to light on fire. So he burnt all his scalp. And obviously, same way for Matthew Perry, Doctor comes along it's like, oh, have one of these, it'll make you feel better. And they just do. And it's a highly addictive painkiller. Yep. And after, you know, a couple of days, that painkiller no longer works. So you take two. And it starts working again. It's good. And then after a while, that stops working. So you take three. And he talks like how some days he was taking 50 or 60 of these things. Blimey. Just to get through the day. And you're like, how are you taking that many just to reduce the pain? Um, but that's the addiction. And I think a lot of celebrities, especially American, because the doctors do just go, take this, off you go. Yeah, Here's my bill. You're essentially paying for it, aren't you? You're just, yeah. you're just a fancier drug dealer, I guess. Yes. Um, well, one thing that's really shocking, and I guess it's of the time, is when he talks about how at four weeks old, he was prescribed barbiturates by a doctor, which sounds really shocking to us. Um, but in the 70s was standard like baby cries like you know inject it with this drug and it'll shut up yep. um, and to me that was mind blowing I was like you can't you can't you can't do that well he like, even talks about it like that it's like it's absolutely disgusting that they gave this to me as like a, a few weeks old child or months old yeah what I do I, what I did find quite cute and appreciate I guess is he says this and he tells you how horrible and terrible it was and immediately then defends his parents and particularly his mother yes where it's like this does sound terrible but you need to realize that this is this is normal there is lots of stuff about his early childhood which like it was the 70s like that's how it was yeah, like so you, I can't blame anyone but society I guess yeah like you referenced earlier where he was just stuck on a plane by himself yeah. as a five-year-old with a sign saying unaccompanied minor and that was normal you didn't think anything of it like and now you'd be like, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put your kid in a taxi around the corner no. by themselves nowadays. You'd be like, that's abuse. That's neglect. Yeah. But again, it was the seven-ish. Just, just stuff like that. So I think uh, for our free feed, this is where the podcast is going to end. 
there is one little thing I want to add. You're going to add it? Go. Oh, okay. Because I'm very curious if the free listeners uh, ever noticed this too. Because I did not. Did you know that he had a chunk of his finger missing? Yes. I didn't know this. Th- this, is, this is a very famous thing. You, you don't see it a lot, but if you, you watch the episodes closer, you'll see he's got a bit of his finger missing. I've never seen it once. I mean, and we have definitely brought it up in an episode before. My memory is clearly terrible. Yeah, this reminds me of when Jess, who we've had on the show, uh, mentioned C three PO in Star Wars has a silver leg, and I was like, yeah. no, he doesn't. And then we googled it, and I was wrong. And she never lets me live down that she knew a Star Wars fact that I did not. Um, but yeah, this is the C three PO of friends. I didn't realise he had a chunk of his finger missing. Yeah. So so how did he lose his finger? It was slammed in a door. Mm. At, at, nursery kindergarten school whatever preschool yeah. whatever. american school terms confuse me when he was a young child at school yep. his door slammed on his hand and it severed his finger which just sounds horrible yep exactly so yeah that's a a thing you can notice but like it's only like just the very tip of his finger yep. not like he's missing half of it or anything well there's a very cute story relating to that about while he's on the plane being an unaccompanied minor he goes into the cockpit and he's so excited that he's in the cockpit he forgets to hide his like shameful hand yeah and the captain of the plane sees it and goes let me see your hand like Matty and he shows him his hand and he goes oh look me too and the captain's got the same injury he has yeah. and that completely changed his perspective on the whole thing you know so like, oh my god if this man this captain knows what all of these buttons and switches do and he can fly a plane and be a captain maybe my life isn't over yeah that is, was such a sweet moment in the book yeah which is a very intense thing for a small child to be thinking but again it, it I guess it's different when you reflect back on it as an adult but it is like oh my god this guy's been through some stuff and he's not even 10. Well, we're going to leave that there for the free feed. You can listen to a little bit more on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. We're going to have an extended version of this episode. We are going to come back to this and do a massive deep dive, multiple deep dives into the book. Yeah. Um, considering we've like barely scratched like the beginning of the book for, you know, doing this for like nearly 30 minutes. Yeah, it's going to be long. It's, it's going to, it's going to, Take a take a while to get through, but I think um, you know if you want to hear some more, uh, do come and support us at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Uh, your support helps us to do stuff like this, to even like buy the books, you know, buy the audio version. Like they they cost money at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. So we really do appreciate if you can support us, and in return you get some extra content from us. So you want to carry on? Head on over there now, and you'll have the extended version. Why not ask for our Patreon subscription for Christmas? Yeah. Who it's, doesn't want the gift yeah, of Mark and Ryan? It's, exactly. It's only a couple of pound. You can even gift it to a friend as well. So uh, we will see you either on our Patreon in a moment or you can uh, check us out next week where we'll be back to our regular schedule for another episode of Watching Friends. The one with the screamer. Yep. <laughs>